0: This is the Doctor Who
1: Podcast, and you are most welcome.
2: It's episode 154 of the Doctor Who Podcast, and this week you get to join James and Michelle for a geek out on all things Big Finish.
0: Hello and welcome to episode 154 of the Doctor Who podcast. I'm joined today by Michelle. Hello, Michelle. Hello, James. How's things over stateside?
2: Early over here stateside. Uh, you oh, good.
0: I don't want to know the time of day. I want to know what the fallout is from San Diego Comic Con. Have you been watching that closely over the last Uh, week or so?
2: You know, I I haven't caught much of it except what I have seen on Twitter and a few images here and there. I'm what Trev likes to call geographically challenged and (laughs) uh, well far away from San Diego, I'm afraid, so... uh, uh, oh well. Yeah, you know, I haven't watched much of it.
0: You're you're a good deal less geographically challenged where it comes to that particular event than, than I am, I have to say. <laughs> I think I must be about five thousand miles away. But it's it's been amazing again, just watching things develop online. There's been podcasts, again, there's um, Radio Free Scaro have been covering the event and many others as well. And it's great to to actually hear Matt Smith, Karen Giddon, and Arthur Darville, Stephen Moffat talk to people. There's there's photographs popping up online all the time as well. So they're really taking some time to to meet and talk to the fans, uh, at the same time giving us very, very little new information.
2: You know, James, you may be a man with too much time on your hands. Uh, I've been mostly focusing on thinking about things like Big Finish and... and, uh... Doctor Who podcast. I mean, who wants to deal with San Diego Comic-Con when there's the Doctor Who podcast to, to focus on?
0: Yeah, you're quite right. Perhaps I haven't got my priorities quite right. <laughs> but uh, it is always interesting keeping abreast with developments uh, about Doctor Who, particularly when people are expecting either a new trailer or some news to leak out that, you know, doesn't emanate from the UK. It's extremely rare, this phenomenon. People over here, you know, have, have got to try and, uh, well, live with it basically that uh, america is is a huge stage and looking at some of the crowds at, uh, at san diego it's something that the uk simply couldn't replicate on such a scale so i guess if you go to the really big events you go to the uh the high profile events worldwide then you know you're gonna have to go all the way to america and i just assumed you were closer to it than me <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well, it is gratifying to see uh, so much of a turnout of the cast and production team, and uh, it is nice to see that. I just uh, haven't had the chance to to listen in on much of the events this week.
0: (laughs) Well, just to give a quick summary, the first four episode titles of Season 7 have been announced. We won't go through them now because there are some of you out there who consider episode titles a spoiler. I can't quite see how that works personally but uh, i mean you're never going to get an episode that gives the ending away like i don't know rory dies are you but uh, <laughs> even so oh oh no, nothing
2: nothing like the wedding of river song well i
0: suppose because that wasn't a real wedding either. or in or fact, the
2: doctor's wife
0: <laughs> the doctor's wife which was basically a machine yeah in fact misdirection within episode titles is commonplace I'm, I'm not quite certain why people are so um so concerned uh, this is sylvester mccoy and you're listening to the doctor who
3: podcast thank you now so what much. is a podcast is pod is a pod pod is a flower it's a kind of a uh, is it for pot radio for for uh, uh plants kind of pod,
0: the, the, the vegetables involved, mostly vegetables. in the broadcasting side
3: all oh, right yeah. <laughs> No, because Prince Charles is very good. He talks to plants and they seem to be happy and grow better. Um, And I think it's wonderful that there's a radio station just for plants. Mushrooms. Mushrooms.
0: Mushrooms. (laughs) Anyway, this is not a podcast to be focusing on events that are taking place thousands of miles away from where Doctor Who is filmed, usually that is, Michelle and I are going to take a look at an absolutely enormous institution that has just grown and grown in terms of popularity and quality since its launch back in 1999, and that is Big Finish Productions. Now, when you come to a podcast to talk about Big Finish, it's extremely difficult to know where to start, let alone finish. Um, So, Michelle, I'm going to throw that over to you. How did you get in? To Big Finish, and uh, how, how did it grab your fan gene, and well, basically hasn't let you go since.
2: Yeah, I, I adore Big Finish, and I've been trying to remember how exactly I did get into it. It probably was a result of hearing about it on a podcast. I uh, I rediscovered Doctor Who, I think maybe around two thousand and seven, which over here was when the first Eccleston series was was beginning to air on PBS back then, and I happened to catch that as as that was airing here. That got me back into my Doctor Who fandom big time, and uh, it wasn't too long after that that I discovered podcasts, and I'm sure it was probably something on the Who cast, because that's what I listened to most back then. Uh, maybe that was around 2008 by then, but uh, that would have given me a clue that, that Big Finished existed. It, as you're probably aware, we don't have quite the continuing and thriving tradition of audio drama over here in the United States. It's probably not something I would have happened upon otherwise. But I'm sure I must have heard about it on podcast, went, checked out the website, Uh, loved the idea of being able to revisit stories with the original doctors. Um, And and I think uh, back then... And again, I think it was about 2008. I began listening to oh, being a Doctor Who fan with that gene that means you have to do everything in order. I, uh, <laughs> uh, in part, I started with the very first episodes in the main range, uh, but simultaneously, not wanting to be left behind with with the things that were being released at the time and wanting to be in on those discussions, uh, I also picked up a subscription pretty soon thereafter and, and started following along. And since then, I've been discovering the the other ranges and and just love it. I, I I think Big Finish is the best thing since sliced bread, and I hope it goes on forever
0: because it's a delight. <laughs> and and you tell me that I've got too much time on my hands. <laughs> in 2008, there was over 100 main range Big Finishes released already, and you went back to the beginning, Sirens of Time, and you picked up from pretty much the current release as well. I'm uh, I'm, I'm, I'm stunned that you've managed to maintain a career and a family. <laughs>
2: well, I, I haven't actually listened to all of them in between, but... Um, so, so you know, I, I I probably picked up the first dozen or fourteen in order. Oh, but then of course I love the Eighth Doctor and wanted to hear more about mm. him, so I also started in with Storm Warning and started listening to the Eighth Doctor stories. So I've got some from the early parts of the of the ranges, and then I've also I've stayed very consistent uh, with at least a few of the ranges ever since about two thousand eight, two
0: thousand nine. Mm, yeah, you see, it was very different for me. You see, because I I was very much looking forward to the very first big finish. Uh, production's release all the way back in 1999, you see. So I'm not faced with this huge problem that newcomers to Big Finish are faced with today, and that's pretty much where do I start? There is so much out there in terms of audio drama, not just the main range, but loads and loads of spin-offs now that must be numbering probably... I would say 12 to 15 different uh, different ranges now.
2: You know, I think, and that may be Doctor Who alone, but looking on their website, it looks to me like there's over 40 different ranges that they are producing when you start looking at uh, the non-Doctor Who stuff that they're doing.
0: Mm, yeah, I'm focusing pretty much on Doctor Who, or at least what they call spin-offs. So a new drama, new audio drama that doesn't necessarily feature the Doctor himself, but may well follow well some periphery characters you look at Jago and Lightfoot who only turned up um, you know 20 years after the programme had started and were never seen again on television in fact they only ever met in episode 5 of Talents of Wing Chiang and Big Finish have developed an extremely successful range uh, which is now I think there's at least four series out now and mm-hmm. they're, they're planning up to, to season 7 but uh, but it, it, it's a phenomenal institution and a company and I think it's, it's grown certainly in terms of stature and uh, they've moved studio once now as well so that they can record in a in a slightly better and more um, and gain a much higher quality of sound and the move, and I can't remember precisely when they they moved to the Moat Studios, but it's completely different to to the sound that they had at the previous studios.
2: Well, their sound quality and their sound production is consistently excellent. Uh, One of the things I enjoy about Big Finish is, uh, you know, the storylines, some are outstanding, some are going to hit you as less interesting than others, but I almost never, ever, ever have any complaints about the audio quality or the or the sound production.
0: No, not at all. It's it's nearly always the stories uh, that I have difficulties with. If indeed uh, I I do have problems. And again, I think because Big Finish have a much wider canvas really than uh, than the BBC when they're making the real TV show, uh, there really is room for every kind of story and. There are going to be some very, very traditional Doctor Who stories, and I think pretty much that's how they started off back in '99. at least for the first half dozen, perhaps, episodes before they started experimenting. Um, and, And then certainly later on, you've got some extremely ethereal, quite surreal, very inaccessible stories, really, that you have to listen to two or three times before you've even got the vaguest idea of what's going on. But I think, again, because they've got so much scope uh, to vary the way they tell their stories. The range is incredibly diverse and therefore I think appeals perhaps to a slightly different kind of Doctor Who Fan to that from the Teddy series.
2: Well it's certainly something that you're gonna have to invest in in multiple ways. Uh invest in financially if you're <laughs> gonna if you're gonna keep up with a lot of it, but also invest in time wise and attention wise. Um Many of these you, you have to pay attention to while you're listening, um, some more than others. But, yeah, then perhaps that takes a different kind of fan than the casual viewer who'll just sit down and kind of let a TV episode wash over them. But I love that about it, and I, and I love the ability to, to pop it in and listen to it a second or third time. Inevitably, I find that if I listen to them a second or third time, my estimation of the story goes up. And, and there are debates out there about, well, should you be able to understand it completely the first time or, or is having to go back a second or a third time uh, a sign of something that, that, that will appeal to the intellectuals in us? And I, I'm not even 100 percent sure where I fall down. that I, I think there needs to be a clear story that, that you can follow and appreciate the first time through. But I like the ones that also have the added dimensions that when you listen a second or a third time, you get even more out of it.
0: Well, that, that's precisely the debate that's been going on in the media, certainly over here in the UK. Or, or it was, should I say, when season six was transmitted on television, there was always stories saying, oh, it's far too complicated, it's far too complicated. And of course, all of the people making these comments are generally adults, whereas the kids are going, well, we love it. We absolutely love it. Uh, with, with Big Finish, I think the answer to the question you posed is, is it a good thing or a bad thing. I think the answer is both. Uh, you have got some stories that you can listen to in one sitting, pretty much absorb and and move on fairly unaffected, whereas there are some other stories, Death in the Family. I'm sure listeners won't be surprised to hear me mention uh, that story again. Every time you listen to it, it's it, it gets you, and it, it reaches depths that other stories simply, simply don't. And that's not to say that it's much better, it's just different. And again, it comes back to the fact that Big Finish have the ability to... Tell different kinds of stories in different kinds of ways. Um, one thing I am interested in in asking you, Michelle, and it is a very, very general question, but uh, but you're you know fairly up on Big Finish now. You've listened to a lot of stories. Do you have a particular doctor or a particular doctor's storyline that Big Finish have told that has really engaged you? Has really plugged into your your fan gene?
2: Ooh, that's an interesting question. Um... The answer may be no in terms of a simple answer. It, when it comes to the main range, I'll say it this way. When it comes to the main range, I find kind of up and down there. There, there are some stories, and it's usually a particular story, and it doesn't matter which doctor it is, that I find extremely compelling. And, and uh, Death in the Family would be one of those. I agree with you wholeheartedly on that. But what I find are particular ranges that i gravitate to i i am a huge fan of the companion chronicles and i was absolutely delighted when you asked ian and i to focus uh, primarily on that when we do our reviews for the podcast because while i find the main range to be kind of up and down uh the companion chronicles to me seems almost consistently brilliant uh occasionally there's one that that i enjoy less than the others but i feel like um you know, on a percentage basis, you're more likely to get something really, really good in the Companion Chronicles. And maybe that has to do with the way I, I experience theater and the way I experience drama. But for me, a really good story is one that has some depth to it, has some meaning to it, explores something, um, something about the human nature, perhaps a, a universal concept, something, something that we can all relate to and, and all prick up our ears when we hear. You know, maybe whether it's trust or whether it's courage or whether it's death. Um, as in death and the family something that goes a, a little deeper you got to have a good interesting plot of course but something that goes into the human psyche a little bit and and, and helps us explore ourselves the same thing that the great drama you know Greek drama Shakespeare uh, hmm. sitcoms daytime drama the same universal concepts that we human beings have been intrigued by throughout the the, the centuries uh, when when a Doctor who drama be it audio or, or video or novel takes me to that level while maintaining this really cool science fiction uh, adventure those are my all-time favorites and and it it doesn't really matter what range it is or what doctor it is that's what i gravitate to and so when i when i think about my favorite big finish stories and my favorite big finish ranges um there are things that get to those another one of my favorite ranges um some of the spin-off series dalek empire is wonderful Mm. Uh, yeah, because it, 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 it's it's this huge, yeah, it's this space epic that follows along some of those themes all the way through, and it's it's, it's brilliant.
1: And then we saw it, yeah, we saw it. A ship, never seen one for real before. Wow, a real interplanetar. What sort is it? I don't know. But look where it's heading. Down to the surface. Towards hometown. You don't think the war? The war's got nothing to do with us. That thing looks pretty well armored. What if it's the enemy? You know, those Daleks.
0: No, no, we've got no enemies. We've got no friends. We're, we're Talus Minor. We make our own life. We don't owe anyone anything. We're out on the far edge here. It's their war, not ours get the solar sail up again. We've got to charge the battery and get down there. I agree completely and I think Dalek Empire is probably my favourite spin-off as well, and it's a little bit of a shame that it appears to have finished after four series now, and uh, I think it benefits massively by being written by one person, and uh, Nick Briggs has written everything that's come out in uh, in Dalek Empire, and it, it basically is Doctor Who without the Doctor, um, but that's a fairly significant omission, and it's enough to give the ranger sense of identity in its own right and that the peril and the threat that the daleks bring daleks without davros i i i have to add is is unparalleled and it's very very different to daleks within doctor who because fundamentally you know absolutely everything is going to be okay at the end of a doctor who story even if it's a long arc the doctor will triumph because that's the reason why we we tune in and watch doctor who that's part of the reason why it's so successful Whereas Dalek Empire is a different board game entirely, it, it's like watching something that you're familiar with but at the same time you're not quite certain or as confident that you're going to enjoy it or the characters are going to make the same kind of decisions uh, to, as, as they, you would expect them to in Doctor Who. And I just think it's an amazing range and I think the last series, Season 4 with Noel Clarke was the best, it was absolutely fantastic and it, it plugs into all of the things that you you spoke about so clearly. Um, in in terms of what you enjoy about a particular audio play and that's the emotional side of things it's the geeky sci-fi things brought into everyday life that the relationships just happen in outer space and it's just amazing
2: (laughs) yeah I like the idea that you said about this is this is a doctorless range and it was the first range that I explored that didn't have the doctor in it uh, although to be honest, the reason I picked it up was because I knew that come series three, David Tennant was going to play a, a prominent <laughs> role. Uh, before that was done, before he ever became the Doctor on Doctor Who. But so my my motives were tainted, I suppose, for for starting into the series. But I I was curious, and again because I'm someone who likes to start from the beginning, I started with series one, even though I knew I had to wait till till series three for David Tennant. But I I actually remember it very clearly. You know, those flashbulb memories that you remember exactly where you were and what you were doing? That is how I feel about experiencing Dalek Empire. And I remember putting the, the earphones in my head and going out to mow the lawn, which is probably a stupid thing to do because you have to have the volume up pretty high while you're mowing the lawn. And it's probably not good for your ears. So, not encouraging that. But I remember being out there mowing the lawn with Dalek Empire in my ears and becoming completely engrossed in these characters within the first few minutes and having to listen to the next one and the next one and the next one and the next one uh, this is why so much of my money goes to Big Finish <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, the There was no Doctor, but the characters were compelling and the characters were wonderful and you wanted to follow them through and find out
0: what happened to them. I would heartily recommend any series of Dalek Empire to anyone who's considering toying with something in a Doctor Who universe that doesn't have the Doctor in it. There's plenty of familiar sci-fi actor voices uh, to hear. Gareth Thomas, for instance, is, uh, is prominent in a number of these plays. So well worth taking a listen to. I want to get back to the main range just a little bit because I think this is probably where most people new to Big Finish will head for and then they'll suddenly realise there's nearly 200 stories to choose from. And uh, let me ask you a very straightforward and perfunctory question, which I'm going to answer as well after you've had a go. Uh, but where do you think someone should start?
2: I think, generally speaking, some of the earliest stories aren't always considered to be some of the strongest, although I I enjoyed starting from the beginning. That was not. That didn't dissuade me in any way. I... I uh... Even the first first one, Sirens of Time, I believe correct, and and I've heard some disparaging comments about that, but I quite enjoyed it. Um, so starting from the beginning is an option, but it's awfully daunting when you have two hundred episodes to catch up to where the rest of the <laughs> fandom is. Yeah. I, I don't think you can go too far wrong with with starting with the current releases, and therefore getting to be in on the discussion. If you want to be in on the discussion, uh, there are certainly I'm big big finish has has their own forum, but there are other groups out there that, that read and, or listen to and discuss Big Finish um, together which, which is a great way to experience the range. I think starting with whatever's coming out now is good. You can, I mean certainly on our forum and in other places, you can find recommendations for the favorites that people have out of the main range and that's another option would be to go pick and choose some of the classics while getting in on what's being released now. What what would you say?
0: Well, it's difficult. Um, I, I think since Big Finish started releasing miniseries and that must have been about two or three years or so ago now it's a lot easier to just jump on. And I think perhaps that was a quite deliberate decision. You know, you can pick up a series of three plays and, you know, you get a sense of continuity. The difficulty with that being is that they're now tying these mini series to each other. So I think one of the things about um, Doctor Who fans, irrespective of whether they're involved in making the show or a different, different part of um, uh, the Doctor Who world, like the audios, you know, the one thing that's within us all is a sense of continuity and we all get a little buzz out of a reference uh, that's made to a story that we that we pick up on. We feel all quite bright and clever when we recognise that quote and one of the very few good things uh, about last year's Christmas special is that it had a reference to the Caves of Androzani in it and I know I think that was the only thing that Trev thought was even vaguely uh, good about that entire story um, and, and Big Finish do it too um, but I, I would suggest that people start with the redevelopment of probably the most underserved Doctor on television, and that's with Colin Baker's Doctor. Um, and I wouldn't go back to his very first story either, which was Whispers of Terror, which is a perfectly good story in its own right, but I would go to a story called The Marion Conspiracy, and that was, that was released number 6 all the way back in March 2000. And it was also the very first time Big Finish uh, created a companion uh, for an old classic Doctor in Evelyn Smythe, and it was an absolute stroke of genius um, to introduce an older character and someone who um, who can play off the Doctor in a completely different way to Perry did, to, in a different way to Mel, and and all of the, all of the characters the Sixth Doctor met in his journey on television. You know, this is just a brand new relationship, and as such, it enables us to see a different side to the Sixth Doctor. And Colin Baker eats that opportunity up like a a hearty meal. It is absolutely brilliant. I would heartily
2: agree, and and Maggie Stables is brilliant. It's a wonderful pairing. It's it's an interesting pairing because of the the older woman with with the Doctor. Uh, Colin Baker has been so well served by Big Fit and Sean Audio, that it is a delight. I think I enjoy his his uh, his stories as much as, as any of them out there.
0: I think it's probably worthwhile looking at the writers as well Big Finish have used over the years, because um, it's certainly a way that I now decide how... I'm going to approach a story. I've just got used to the style of each of the writers now, apart from obviously the brand new ones. But I think now that I know what they're like, I I know what kind of stories each author is going to produce. And as a result, I know which ones I'm probably going to enjoy and which ones that I'm not going to like so much. And uh, I'm going to put you on the spot here, Michelle, purely because I enjoy doing so. Um, (laughs) In the main range, who's written the most plays?
2: Oh, in the main range. Man, my specialty is the Companion Chronicles.
0: It's guessable.
2: I don't know. Is it? Would it be Mark Platt?
0: Oh, very close. Mark's written the second highest oh. number. He's written eight plays. It's Mr. Briggs, Mr. Briggs himself.
2: Oh, of course. I should. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> um, he's he's written ten stories now. I think since since Nick Briggs has taken over the reins uh, from Gary Russell a few years or so ago now, then he's had the, you know, creative input into pretty much every story that gets um gets released. So I think. Big Finish is pretty much Nick Briggs these days. You've got his fingerprints all over the stories. And uh, I've never known someone, really, who, who just must live Doctor Who. And when you consider that even the people who make the television series get a break of three months where they can go off and do other things, Nick Briggs is basically at his desk at Big Finish 12 months of the year, and he releases stories, or he oversees the release of stories, you know, two or three stories each Month. Now, I'm not sure whether anyone else who has a full time job within Doctor Who would be busier than Nick.
2: I can't imagine it. The output is extraordinary, as you say. He seems to be in on everything, and yet he does still maintain an acting career and other mm. pursuits. And I have thoroughly enjoyed the direction that the company has gone yeah, uh, in terms of the productions under his leadership. Uh, he, he's extraordinary. He does multiple things. I think you know. You talk about writers, and who to experience. Not only then is he the most prolific in the main range. He's one of my favorites. Um, I, I think he's he's brilliant when it comes to his writing.
0: I think out of the ten plays that he's written for. The the main range, there's only one that I think is incredibly so so, and that was the Nowhere Place uh, all the way back in um, July 2006. But if you look at his other plays, there's Creatures of Beauty, which is a fifth Doctor story, which is the first time Big Finish really tried to mess around with linear storytelling. Uh, it, it's well worth having a listen. You won't have a clue what's going on for the first 15 minutes or so, but after that, you get used to the way the story is being told, and you can really begin to enjoy it. Uh, Sword of Orion again is is another story that uh, company that Nick Briggs used to work with, Audio Visuals, had written before, and it was for a different Doctor. I'm not even sure if it was for a TV Doctor, but it's something he adapted, and uh, it was also an Eighth Doctor story, and it was the Eighth Doctor. Cyberman story, the first 8th Doctor Cyberman story, it was done really well, and just rattling through the others, he wrote Sirens of Time, the very first one, Mutant Phase, another Dalek story, very very strong Dalek story, he wrote Patient Zero and Blue Forgotten Planet, which bookended the Charlie finale, if you like, which was a much anticipated trilogy, it was sandwiched by a really quite a poor Mark Platt story called Paper Cuts, it has to be said, but Nick Briggs has been there every time there has been a really important or a really good story uh, to be told, I think.
2: You know, the other thing that Nick Briggs uh, brings, I think, to the company is a style that is sort of relaxed, uh, very professional and yet informal, if that's not too much of a contradiction. I love the podcasts that Big Finish puts out, uh, That particularly the ones where it's Nick Briggs and, and some of the other... Uh, production folks sitting around a table just just chatting with each other and they are hilarious oftentimes they're they're delightful to listen to you feel kind of like you're right there with them like it's a coffee clutch or something just that tone that sense of availability to to the listeners and the ability to you know if one wanted to send in comments or interact i I, another thing that i think is uh, phenomenal about this company
0: Mm no I agree and I, and I think the only thing that surprises me is how long it took before Big Finish launched a podcast they're an audio company <laughs> and <laughs> but yeah they they've really got the format down quite nicely now and uh, they 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 also um have taken a different tack in terms of numbering uh, which is slightly confusing they 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 just have I think it's like it's a July podcast and then they have a second July podcast and so on. Um, so again, the numbering system a little bit confusing and I sometimes wonder which ones I've heard and which ones I haven't. So it does get a bit confusing from that point of view, but not being a highly organised, structured Doctor Who fan who's bothered about these things, then clearly I just get on with things. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but let's let's talk a little bit about the other writers that have contributed heavily to the range. Mark Platt, you've mentioned, of course, author of, uh, of Ghost Life. Now, I mean, I've mentioned my opinion of Mark Platt uh, in the past on the podcast, so I'm not going to go into it in huge detail. But, uh, but firstly, Michelle, if we if, if we look at some of the titles that um, he's written, uh, the first one was Lou Guru, which was only Turlo's second story uh, recorded with Big Finish, and then, of course, Spare Parts, which was the 34th release which everyone talks about.
2: Yes, and which I haven't heard yet, so it's still on my <laughs> list. In fact, I haven't heard either of those. Mark Platt is an author or writer that I, I tend to either love or or, or hate <laughs> what he has done. Hate is probably too strong a word, but I think I listed uh, Ghostlight as my least favorite back on our Least Favorites <laughs> episode. So, yeah. h- however, and the two you just mentioned from the main range I haven't heard, but a couple of my favorites from the Companion Chronicles, namely Quinnis, and uh, Frostfire, the very first mm. Companion Chronicle first uh, released yeah. uh, that, that starred Maureen O'Brien as Vicky. Uh, both of those are wonderful. One of the things I like about Mark Plot, uh, Mark Platt, is that he has this very evocative, visual, descriptive way of writing. The imagery is very, very strong. Uh, and, and the worlds that he creates uh, can be, Wonderful, And I think the two I just listed, Quintus especially, uh, which takes you back to a reference from one of the earliest First Doctor stories about an adventure that he and Susan had before we ever met him in An Unearthly Child, uh, was very evocative and almost haunting
3: as you listen to it, and I like that. As we walked down through the town, we started to notice something strange. Both the market stalls and the ramshackle wooden buildings were only one row deep on either side. There was nothing behind them. And every house, big or small, had massive chains that attached it to the street. Grandfather studied them with some concern. He pointed to the upstreet side of the houses. They were tapered, almost like the prows of ships. There was no sign of the town library and further on a wooden barricade blocked the street completely. Beyond it, the houses stopped. Grandfather struggled up onto a box to peer startled over the barrier. Hmm, extraordinary. It appears we've been had, Susan. This is some sort of joke. And he reached down to pull me up. The street had gone. It stopped in mid-air. We were several hundred feet up, looking down over a wide plain that stretched to the horizon. It was covered in lemon-yellow grass and dotted with occasional bare-branch trees. It was another bridge. The street was just another bridge. I turned and saw that all the higher bridges, arching above and through each other, had houses too. The whole town was built on a rising, crisscross tangle of viaducts, each jutting from the mountains and going nowhere. But why leave them half-finished? And why not build houses on the ground? It's not safe. Not down there.
0: Mm, yeah, he's he's got some... He's got quite a number of Companion Chronicles under his belt as well. He's written four and he's got a fifth that's due out uh, in January next year. Uh, but hes um, he, I, I think his strongest stories are the Companion Chronicles with the first Doctor. You mentioned Frostfire. Mother Russia was the first story in the second series of Companion Chronicles. Uh, which was also equally as good. It had Stephen Taylor um, as, as the companion in that story, and and Quinnis, as you say, is one that I've yet to yet to listen to. But I understand it ties in a little bit with uh, an Eighth Doctor story um, that was, I think, it was Relative Dimensions. It's, I'm I'm putting this out of my head here. Um, the the only other story I've listened uh, that's a companion chronicle that he's written to is is The Dole of Death, which is a Joe Grant story, which was awful. It was really Really terrible, um, and I'm I'm going to go back to what you said earlier on. Um, people tend to either like or hate, or let's say dislike Mark Platt's stories. And I have to say, I do wonder why he's been commissioned on so many occasions by Big Finish, because the vast number of stories that he, he's written. I mean, people will always say all oh, they're strange or they're inaccessible, but uh, but Big Finish. Tend not to use writers who don't sell. I think it's a case that they just can't afford to keep on employing people who produce stories that don't um don't go off the shelves and Mark Platt must be a very very big name for them because aside from Nick Briggs he's written the most main range stories um than than anyone else. Let me just go through the others that he's um that he's written for the main range. And I'm interested, Michelle, whether you've heard any, and if so, what you think of them. Uh, We're looking at Lugaru's spare parts, which you've already mentioned, Papercut's Valhalla, which is a story about giant ants, I seem to remember. Cradle of the Snake, which was the conclusion to the Mara trilogy, with Nyssa, Tegan and Turlo. Uh, The Silver Turk, which was a relatively recent play which was a cyberman story uh, for the eighth doctor and most recently the butcher of brisbane which again is another anissa tegan and turtle story
2: from those you know there are a couple in there that I, I consider some of my least favorites or kind of kind of a duds i wasn't fond of valhalla uh, wasn't fond of paper cuts as i recall there are some like spare parts we mentioned has a great reputation i haven't listened to yet cradle of the snake silver turk were kind of middling For me, there Mm. were things I liked about them and and, and things I didn't like about them. So, so yeah, I mean, again, he's maybe a little bit hit and miss, but it probably has to do with whether you like his style of writing. Although, even saying that, I love some of what he's done, and I find some of what he's done uh, pretty missable. So, Mm. interesting, interesting man. But... You mentioned relative dimensions a little bit ago. I'd forgotten that was one of his too, and that was a delightful Christmas story. Yeah, I, I guess I can see why they why they keep going back to him. And when his name comes up, I always kind of buckle my seatbelt before listening. And you know, okay, this is going to be a wild ride. I'm probably either going to love this, or or this will be the last time I listen to it. So
0: <laughs> I took a similar approach when I used to read his books as well. Um, it was a time, times crucible. I think is a cat's cradle, virgin new adventure that I I read that book and I was determined to finish it because I I knew it was part of a a longer story Um, and and once I did I I really did need a a holiday it was extremely hard work but when you go back and look at his work it is extremely well structured and it is it is quite listenable but there's there's plenty of other authors um, out there who are really good some of which Big Finish discovered others of which have, have kindly written for Big Finish, you know even though you may consider their career has been you know so successful they wouldn 't necessarily consider something like this, and you know you talk about people like Rob Shearman who 's written four main range plays, all of which are absolutely brilliant. I would say sh- sh- I can never say this one in fact, Rob Shearman, when I interviewed him couldn 't say it either, and he called it. It, it it cheered so cheered so it was the eighth doctor. Uh, Big Finish play that 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 he wrote. That's that's the one that I would say I had the hardest time with. When you consider Jubilee, The Holy Terror, and The Chimes of Midnight, you're looking at some of the best stories that Big Finish have ever released. I remember when Rob Sherman was talking to me about The Holy Terror, which was the first time that he wrote for Big Finish. He deliberately pitched what he considered to be a really strange story. Uh, he pitched about three. It was a, initially it was pitched for um, Tom Baker. Big Finish were in conversation with Tom Baker at the time and Holy Terror could have been a fourth Doctor story turned out to be a sixth Doctor story totally off the wall Um, but it was welcomed by fans so much and it's one of the darkest pieces of writing uh, the big finish of ever Gone with and run with, and I very much doubt we get something that dark or that depressing, really, um, in the main range once again.
2: I have heard Chimes of Midnight, and I listened to it probably in the right setting in that I was driving over a very high mountain pass well after dark um, in a spooky setting. However, I did not enjoy it as much as uh, most fan reaction says I should, so just something a little quirk about my tastes i guess however i am thoroughly looking forward to holy tear based on everything i've heard i have downloaded i have bought it just haven't gotten to it uh but uh, it's on my list
0: well that needs to be next on your list (laughs) because that's a that's a brilliant brilliant story but uh, yeah, I mean, in all fairness, Michelle, there are so many things that we could talk about Big Finish. I mean, when you when you consider that, you know, the forerunner from Torchwood, uh, which was the Forge, which was created by Kavan Scott and Mark Wright, you know, I think they've got every right to feel aggrieved at the moment because they created an entire arc uh, the Big Finish used, which basically was Torchwood long before Russell T. Davis came up with the idea. And it can be argued that Big Finish did it considerably better as well. But uh, if that's something that people would like to listen to, then I suggest you go back and find what they call the Project Trilogy. And they were released over a period of probably eight or nine years. Uh, But there were three stories. as Project Twilight, Project Lazarus and Project Destiny. And if you listen to those three stories back to back, then you'll appreciate an extremely strong story arc that runs over several other story arcs of big Finish as well and uh, you know it, it it's just really really creative storytelling uh, that big Finish do so fantastically not not to mention some of the brand new writers they 've discovered who've come out with really good stories, and again Stephen Hall, prime example. Mm.
2: Well, one of my all-time favorite writers, and I've said this before uh, for Big Finish, is Simon Garrier. Uh, And I didn't used to pay that much attention to who wrote them, and and I get the downloads. (laughs) Uh, I get the downloads, which means I don't have the the, the CD sleeve to be able to read the actor's name and the writer's name. And uh, unfortunately, that means that I, I... have missed a lot of that. But when I started doing more with the Doctor Who podcast and had to start paying attention to those things, it really struck me that when I went back to thinking about my favorite stories that I'd heard from Big Finish, doggone it, if every time I didn't look up the writer, it didn't have Simon Garrier's name next to it. (laughs) Uh, And so I have come, the things I've heard of his, and there are several now for Big Finish, range from good to extraordinary. The worst I can say is that sometimes it's, it's sort of an average story, but a very solid story. But, but more often than not, I get really excited about what I hear in his writing so hooray for simon
0: well maybe that ties in with something else you said earlier on uh, simon gourier is, is is the most prolific writer of the companion chronicles and you said that was your favorite range so perhaps those two facts are <laughs> yeah I, I'm, sh- I'm
2: sure they connect i'm sure they connect I'd...
0: Yeah, i mean simon's written a couple of main range plays as well and he he's the kind of writer that you go to when you need um <laughs> You need an emotional tale told. Now, I'm sure he'll really be pleased that I've tarred him with a brush there uh, because no writers like being painted into a corner. But he does tell an emotional story within a sci-fi setting incredibly well. And I, I would always go uh, to some of his companion chronicles, particularly the later ones that he wrote, uh, featuring Gene Marsh as Sarah Kingdom and Peter Purvis as, as Stephen Taylor. Those are some of my favourite companion chronicles, and I'm, I'm not as fond of them as, as a range as you are, Michelle. There are some that I find are extremely hard to pay attention to, and my mind wanders, and I, I've got a kind of rule. If I have to rewind more than about three occasions um, to listen to something that I've missed when my attention has has wandered, then that's it, I give up with it. And uh, I, I, I don't seem to have that difficulty with the main range. There isn't one story that I've given up with in the main range in nearly 200 releases.
2: Well, James, I think I could natter on all day about Big Finish, but I imagine we're probably coming to uh, the end of the time that we have allotted for us here. Mm. Why don't we finish? I'm curious to hear what some of your all-time favorites are that you would recommend.
0: You know, it, it's really difficult sometimes just not to come out with the same ones that every podcast comes out with. So I'm going to choose some some deliberately different ones that I really, really enjoy that I don't hear spoken about very much within fandom. Uh, Night Thoughts, which is a, a Seventh Doctor, uh, Ace and Hex story, which is basically a haunted house story, but it's done in such a clever way that it introduces the element of time travel. And um, you listen to this one at night and you will have difficulty sleeping. There is there is no question there. Um, Catch 1782, um, another great standalone Sixth Doctor story uh, with Mel as well. And there's very few uh, stories with Mel in when you look at how many Nyssa has appeared in, for instance, or other companions and uh, and of course, Big Finish really played to Mel's strengths and drop all of her annoying habits, uh, so the character is far more rounded within Big Finish. Colditz, um, a- another Seventh Doctor story with Ace, uh, written by Steve Lyons, and again the Doctor in World War Two, fantastic. Live 34, I'm sure I've mentioned in the past, is a Doctor Who story as you've never heard it told before. Uh, it's all done through uh, the medium of radio play. And uh, that's that's well worth a listen to, even if it is slightly um, slightly o- overly political. And I, I know Ian's listened to that one recently and he felt the same. And the last one I'll talk about is, is Axis of Insanity, uh, which is just a, 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 another really strong, quite novel. Um, Fifth Doctor, Eremem, and, and Perry's stories. So there's a number there. I could go on as <laughs> for ages, but I, I probably better stop and just ask the same question of you.
2: Yeah, likewise, I could go on and on, and we've already referenced so many of my favourite ones already. So just uh, kind of glancing in no particular order at some of the others that I, I've especially enjoyed. You know, the, the, the last Eighth Doctor range, I think, was 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 fairly strong, and most of the stories in there I enjoyed listening to. Uh, one of my favorites in that range, um, Prisoner of the Sun, that came out this, this last year. A, a unique situation where the doctor has been held captive for six years in a prison, not by, uh, you know, nobody can keep the doctor captive terribly long, but uh, but by, by responsibility and by his sense of what, what he needs to do. Uh, and and it, it, that one's got some really interesting psychological drama going on as well yeah. with
1: it. Good. Now, this complex is at the heart of an unstable sun.
3: But inside it...
1: Yes, we've got heat and radiation shields, of course, although I still generally find it a bit warm in here. That alarm indicates that the sun is becoming volatile. Ah, understood. These controls enable you to correct and balance it. Watch for surges of activity and do your best to nip them in the bud.
3: Uh-huh, right.
1: Now, let's see what we've got. Yes, this looks like a fairly minor one. Ah. Less than one, Daphne. Never speak too soon. Keep it balanced. I'm trying. You're doing well. We've got three of the volatile areas more or less under control. They'll settle in a minute. I
3: can only see three volatile areas. Look again. (sighs) I can't see anything else.
1: Sector 507 is about to go.
3: How can you tell? I can't see... There it goes. What do I do?
1: Nothing. It's too late to hold it with the compensator. We'll just have to contain the solar flare. Can you do that? Yes, easily. We just have to watch out for chain reactions. We could set off something much, much worse. Watch the monitor. I'm hitting the containment field now right
3: yes we've got one no two chains developing
1: can you handle them yes
3: and yes
1: right good congratulations you've just helped save two billion people what would you like for lunch
2: Book of Kells, also from that same range, was was a fun one. I enjoyed Feast of Axos. I know we talked about that on the Doctor Who podcast a while back. Some others of my favorites from the Companion Chronicles range, I'll I'll throw in Solitaire uh, with the Celestial Toymaker and Charlie. The Magician's Oath with Richard Franklin. Uh, Captain Mike Yates, that's got some some nice uh, atmosphere to it. The Prisoner's Dilemma. Another one by Simon Garrier, which I thought explored identity and and kind of a new being discovering who she was. And that has Ace in it as well, doing a wonderful performance uh, with Sophie Aldred. Uh, And again, it could go on and on and on. Oh, I will cheat a little. Um, (laughs) There are some extraordinary ranges that Big Finish has that are not Doctor Who. And if you have any time and any money left over, you definitely ought to listen to the new Blake Seven stuff. That's coming mm. out. Mm. Um, wonderful, wonderful. I've, I've only had the chance to listen to the first two of those, but I'm so glad that Blake Seven is back in the hands of Big Finish, who is going to do it such justice. Uh, and then um, uh, Sherlock Holmes. I, boy, if you're a Doctor Who fan, you probably can't help but like Sherlock Holmes as well. And, and Big Finish has done some wonderful things with Sherlock Holmes. Not only, now some of them star Nicholas Briggs as, as Sherlock Holmes, others uh, star Roger Llewellyn in some wonderfully wonderful stage plays that have been adapted for for the audio format so boy you can't go wrong one thing if you get into big finish you're gonna have to accept that you will forever be behind you will never be able to keep up with everything that is available out there so to just accept that going in
0: mm. and i think that's a as a really good piece of advice actually and i think that's probably why i have dropped the companion chronicle reigns um I, I don't listen to that as fastidiously as as i used to and uh, i i think mainly because i just want to focus on the main range and uh, i'll listen to one story a month that kind of fits in with my schedule really well and um, if there are some other bits and pieces that i can listen to if i happen to go on a road trip or if i'm on the train for a couple of hours then i i'll I'll download those, especially for that trip. But but on the whole, you know, Big Finish, it's the same in many ways as televised Doctor Who. There's a lot of it there. And there are some strong stories and there are some weak ones. And of course, people will have different opinions on which ones fall into which category. Uh, But it's a lot of fun talking about them, certainly. And we're going to be talking about the most recent Sixth Doctor uh, trilogy the big finish we've released on the main range in a couple of weeks time so if you've got any thoughts about curse of davros the fourth war or we're an isle then please send them to us at feedback at the doctor podcast dot com or of course, Michelle. <laughs> where else can they go and discuss these things? Can you think of anywhere else, perhaps?
2: Isn't there a forum somewhere where where there these might things? Be. Oh my goodness! Yeah, <laughs> uh, absolutely. Come join us on the Doctor Who podcast forum. We need to get those big finish uh, threads active and up and running, and and we we love to mm. love to interact with you there.
0: No, absolutely. So come along and continue the conversation there, where we really can go on for ages. There's no time limit there, but unfortunately, Michelle. We've reached ours, (laughs) so we're going to have to say goodbye very shortly, Um, but one thing we will say to listeners before we do just that is to say that make sure you join us next week where I'll be back with Trev, Tom and Leeson to talk about the demons and the happiness patrol. Now why are we talking about those two stories together? You'll have to tune in to find out. Michelle, wonderful to speak to you as always. Great to record with you. And seriously, thank you so much for getting up at half past five in the morning just to speak to me.
2: (laughs) No, I I talked at half past five. I got up at half past four. So at any rate, thank you very much. And uh, it's been a pleasure. Happy listening, everybody.
0: Great to speak to you. Bye, everybody. Bye for now. That was the Doctor Who podcast, which you can find at thedoctorwhopodcast.com. If you have any feedback, please send it in to feedback at com. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, and via the Doctor Who Podcast forums. Thank you for listening. Take care.